the moment you jump, you will never change back again. You know, we had our doubts at the beginning as well, but we will never change back again. Hello there from Bedford, the Bitcoin mecca of the world. How are you all? What a crazy, crazy week. Bitcoin went up to 42,000, crashed down to nearly 30,000. This is the stuff we've all been through before. Well, some of us have. Some of you might not. This, a lot of this happened back in 2017. Did the big run up there. We had a few 30% dips. So this time around, I don't know. I kind of took it took it quite easy. If you're new to this, you need to hold on tight. You need to get used to this volatility because uh, this is what Bitcoin does. Anyway, listen. Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by the Mighty Kraken, the best place to buy, sell, and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And today I've got an interview with DD Taihutu, the Bitcoin nomad who back in 2017 sold everything for Bitcoin to travel the world. And it's an amazing story. But before we get into that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. So we're going to kick off with BlockFi. Have you heard about their big announcement? Their massive announcement last year, just before Christmas, they let everyone know that they are about to launch a Bitcoin Visa rewards credit card early this year. It's something I've been massively excited for. Card users can earn a market lead in 1.5% rewards in Bitcoin on all card purchases. So with every card purchase you make, you can stack sats. The waitlist registration is now open to all registered BlockFi clients. And if you want to join the priority waiting list, then you just need to open up a BlockFi account. The public waitlist is slated to open any day now. So keep an eye out for that as well. If you are interested in checking out BlockFi, I do recommend you do your own research. Then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C. CKFI.com. Next up is the Mighty Kraken, the best place for buying and selling Bitcoin, and it's the only place I use for buying and selling Bitcoin. YP. It's just because they're a sponsor, right? Nope. It's not just because they're a sponsor. I approached them. I was like, come on, you guys, you got to sponsor me. They are consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange, and I'm always going on about security. You know that's important. They also have the best in class in customer service. So if you've got an issue, whatever it is, whoever you are, wherever you are, they are going to get that fixed for you. And if you want to start trading Bitcoin, they have every tool you could possibly need. So whatever your level of experience, if you sign up at Kraken.com, you can start trading Bitcoin straight away. They also have a beautiful mobile first app so you can buy Bitcoin on the go. And with their margin trading, futures and OTC desk, Kraken has every option covered for you. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin. You can find out more at Kraken.com or download the app. It's available for the iPhone or Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Okay, so on to the show today and I have the Bitcoin Nomad on. Okay, so I was on Twitter a few weeks back. And I noticed this guy talking about Bitcoin called Didi. And I was like, I know that name. I clicked on it and I recognized his picture. I was like, I know this dude. Where do I know him from? And then I realized that he was part of this story that's back in 2017. It was all over the press. He and his family, they sold all their shit, everything, their house, their cars, everything and bought Bitcoin. It was seen as like peak euphoria. Like, what the hell are they doing? What are they doing? What a crazy decision. But they did it when Bitcoin was back at $1,200 and they decided to travel the world. I like I remember reading the story and I was like, that's a ballsy move. But to be honest, I'd completely forgotten about it right up until the point I saw him on Twitter and I noticed he was following me. So I reached out. I was like, come on, man, you got to come on the show. You got to tell me about this story because it sounds crazy. And he agreed. So listen, this was recorded a few weeks back. Bitcoin was at a very different price back then when we did it. But it was a very cool show to do. It was great to hear about their lifestyle, what they're doing. I'll be honest. 
I find it really like romantic myself. I kind of really want to do what they're doing. So anyway, look, I hope you enjoy this. If you've got any questions, you can reach out to me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. If you want to find out more about what DD's doing, all the links are in the show notes. Outside of that, if you checked out Defiance this side of Christmas, we launched our first show in the new format. We did a show called Locked Out, all about people leaving prison and trying to get jobs and all the challenges they face. A really good show produced by Tom. So go and check that out. Outside of that, have a great week and I'll see you all soon. DD, my man, how are you? I am very good, man. Good morning. <laughs> ah, good to see you. So le- let me tell you what happened this week, right? So I'm on Twitter and I see this post. Someone shared it or retweeted it. And it's like, I've got some spare USDT and where- which crypto should I buy? And I'm about to like slam the duh, buy Bitcoin. And I click on your profile. I'm like, I know you. I know you. I read about you, like, I don't know, what, three years ago? You're that crazy fucker who basically sold all his stuff, his house, sold it for Bitcoin, went around the world with his family. That, that's right. Is it four kids you got? Three kids. Three kids. I know my three wife kids. looks like a young woman as well, but it's my wife. Really, it is. <laughs> and you look like the guy who plays bass guitar for Metallica. Yeah, I heard that story before. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that that was you, right? Yeah, that was us. Yeah, that was us as a family. Yeah, it's like already four years ago now that we started traveling four the world, years, and uh, it was a yeah, it was a, a cool step that we took. We went all into Bitcoin. We sold everything we owned: our house, our companies, our cars, our bikes, our toys, my pension fund, my savings, my kids' savings, the clothes, the, yeah, literally everything. And then uh, we went all into Bitcoin to just go live on an island and you know, simple life. But it turned out to. Uh, yeah, to take uh, to take another route. <laughs> the whole adventure started because uh, yeah, the media bombed us to the Bitcoin family. So yeah, then you get a new adventure. So then your plans change. Well, listen, I I knew I was like, I've got to get you on to talk about this. I've got to get you on to talk about this because it's such an amazing story. Like it totally blew my mind. It's the kind of thing where you hear about it, you're like, I want to do this. I really want to do this, but I don't have the bollocks. Right, we need to dig into this. Give me the background. Tell me what happened. Like, you know, tell me when you first started thinking about this. Actually, let's go back a step. Give me your Bitcoin story. My Bitcoin story. So whew, I, I, I was a young guy in my youth. I was focused on playing football. So I, was a, uh, I played professional football in my youth. And then I went to school, higher economics. And at school, I discovered, wow, uh, the world is not working like it should be working. But I need to find a job, you know, you want to buy a house, I want to be a millionaire before I was 30, just a normal standard guy that uh, was educated to accumulate uh, wealth instead of happiness. You know, that's what the schools did in those years. Eh? You need to become successful, you want to be mm-hmm. rich and house and car. So at, when I was 24, my mother died, she was 48 years old, she just collapsed and she was gone and I couldn't face that feelings, I couldn't cope with the feelings, so I become, became a workaholic. And I started to build my first, second, and third company. And in one of those companies, I had a, a guy who needed to do an internship from school. And he came and he's like, uh, so what, what kind of subject do you want to do? And he's like, did you ever hear about Bitcoin? And I said, no, tell me. And that was in 2012. So he started to tell me about Bitcoin. And I was like, wow, this is a revolution. Man. And, I'm, and I can also get filthy rich of it because I still wanted to be very rich at that point in my life. And um, so I said to the guy, let's do it. Let's uh, invest some money in mining equipment. And in 2012, uh, end of 12, beginning of 2013, I started to mine Bitcoins. You know, I invested at around 
thirty, forty thousand US dollar in Bitcoin mining equipment. We start to build the machines and everything, you know, the motherboards and the graphical cards, and and that is how it started. And and then it took twelve years, and my companies were up and running really hard. I had a lot of employees in the Netherlands, in Malta, and uh, so I was on top of the world. And at that point, uh, my father called me. I was driving my Jeep Cherokee, and he uh, he calls me. And he's like, "Are you sitting?" I'm said, "Yeah, Dad, I'm sitting." And he's a uh, I just came from the hospital. I'm diagnosed with cancer. I have one more year to live. So at Shit. that point, you feel at top of the world. You have all the money you want, and you get that message. So, you know, I need to drive back to my dad. And we hugged. We cried. And it was my hero. He was a professional football player as well and everything. And so for me, my life collapsed at that moment. So I hired some managers to run all the companies. And I decided to live home again with my father. So I took my family back to his basement you put beds there and we spent the whole last year with him together you know last christmas last easter last football match watching all the last stuff you want to do with your dad when you know that he dies and then in january 2016 he died and then i need to do the funeral and all that stuff and i got a huge burnout because everything was too much i was running the companies the funerals all that stuff and and that made me wake up and that was like okay am i going to live my full life just accumulating money not spending time with my kids and my wife, or am I going to change now? And then I decided to change. And that's when we started to travel. Wow. And then after three months or four months traveling, my friends from Holland called me and they were like, Didi, do you still have your Bitcoins? And I'm like, yeah, but you know, I'm on the beach in Bali drinking my Bacardi Coke, sunset, my kids are playing, I'm not going to touch a laptop anymore. And, uh, but they were like, they kept persuading, check your Bitcoins, check your Doge, uh, Dogecoins, because I mined a lot of Dogecoins in 2013 as well. And, and then we started to check the wallets in the evening, and I was like, wow, like this value has increased tremendously. I, we can pay the whole four or five months we have been traveling with the profits. And I looked at my wife and said, I think I start to believe in this revolution again. And that was the moment. And then we decided as a, as, as a husband and wife, okay, we have been living this life with just a few backpacks, no luxury stuff, last couple of months, and we have never been so happy. We don't need all those cars, all those houses. Why don't we just continue this lifestyle and lead by example for our kids? Show our kids that living to accumulate happiness is more important than living to accumulate wealth. And that was the point that my wife agreed on. So... Um, I started. I still needed to convince her by selling my cars and everything online in Bali. So I sold my Jeep, my Cabriolet, because she was still, uh, you're very egoistic, and, and and you know, I was just this money guy, and uh, and I, I and now she was not believing completely my story. Okay, I want to play on the beach every day. So I sold my cars and everything online, and invested that in Bitcoin in the beginning of 2017, and then um, we just flew home. And we said, let's fly home, sell the house with Bitcoins, sell everything we own, and and continue to live this digital nomad life. And that's what we did. We flew home. We sold the house for Bitcoins partly, partly for money, the money invested in Bitcoin. We took the pension fund savings, get, went all in. And then we lived on the campsite. And on the campsite, the media found out and they came to do all the interviews. And then, yeah, bam, before you know it, you're the Bitcoin family. And um, you get sucked into this yeah. uh, complete in, uh, adventure. All right, listen, before we get into that, a couple of really important questions. Okay, are you Portuguese? No, I'm Dutch. Oh, you're Dutch. Okay, I'm so, Dutch. Okay, sorry. Um, my roots are Moluccan. Dutch in any way at all. No, my father is from Indonesia, 
He is from the Maluku Archipel. That's an island group in Indonesia. So my father is from there. So my roots are okay. Indonesian. And my mother was from Holland. So that's why uh, I have the combination. I'm a mix. Okay. So are you an Ajax fan? No. Sorry. <laughs> Who's your team? PSV. Uh, PSV for me. And, PSV. <laughs> if we, and if we zoom out a little bit, then it's still Barcelona. <laughs> uh, okay. I've been to Barcelona. I've been to the new camp. I took my son there for his... I think it was his eighth birthday or tenth birthday, and we saw Messi score a hat trick, which was pretty cool. Ah, oh, that's um, so cool. What was the? Yeah, it is. What was the last game you got to see with your dad? Do you remember? The last game I went to see with my dad. Uh, what was a game that my brother? My brother also played uh, soccer and uh, football. Ah, oh, wow! <clears throat> and um, we went watching a game with him. And the last season that my dad still lived. Uh, we decided, my brother and I, to play together for a team. And my father was the coach. Nice. Because he asked us. And we made, were making also some money in the amateur league. But then we decided, okay, we go to the lower level and help our dad. And uh, we, were, we became champion. Uh, yeah. So oh, that's, man, uh, that's a great story. <laughs> yeah, that was a beautiful last year of uh, soccer for me. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry about that with your dad. I, I don't know how much you know, but my mum passed away almost exactly a year after your father. My mother passed away in January 17. Um, yeah. And that was a very pivotal time where my life changed as well. Okay. Right. Firstly, first question is, how much convincing did it take with your wife to do this? Not that much because um, my, li- my wife was already like very tired and sick of the materialistic life and the egoistic life. You know, that, that ego you always have in front of you. I am this guy and I am this woman and this life. I, we have all that stuff. So she was already sick of that. And so she, she really was like into changing life. And that is how it all started. We just wanted to change life. We wanted to change from materialistic to minimalistic, from owning a house to decent a decentralized lifestyle where we can show our kids the world and we can educate our kids in a different way we didn't want to educate our kids in the schooling system that made us that materialistic parents we just saw this is not the you know i had mil- I, I had a million i couldn't save my dad from cancer why why wouldn't i have spent time more with him why was i spending time to make money 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 and at the end <laughs> money is worth nothing and then um, so, so yeah. it wasn't that difficult to convince her. Um, the difficulty was in the fact that, you know, when you have the bag of money, when you sell your house and all, everything, okay, it's a big step to go into Bitcoin. And for her, Bitcoin was still the thing that I started to do and mining. And I started to sell around the 2014 crash because, you know, we want to break even more investment in 2014. So for her, Bitcoin was still this, ah, yeah, that was, a, that was history, you know? And, and, and so it, got, it needed some, I needed to convince her that I still f- had the trust in the revolution. Well, okay. There wasn't. It wasn't all positive. The news, right? I remember some people were criticizing you at the time for making this decision. There were people who said this is crazy. People are going to risk everything they have. Uh, am I right? I mean, I'm going based on memories from four years ago. No, it was like the, the, there was almost no positivity. It was almost all only negative. It was. Uh, you know, everybody was like, "You're crazy." Yeah, it's, uh, the, 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 it's, it's also in your family and friends. You know, they were all like, Didi, you're a successful businessman. What, the, what are you doing? And I just felt it was right. You know, I just started to believe. Yeah? Like, like I'm wearing on my T-shirt, believe. I just started to believe. 
And if you start to believe in the, in the concept and in the belief in the fact that you can change the world because of the tool of Bitcoin and blockchain, and you have a passion of changing the world and making the world more honest and helping poor people all over the world that you, you know, we met so many people during our first couple of months of traveling in, in Indonesia and in Vietnam, Cambodia, that didn't have access to the monetary system, that the combination of my knowledge, knowing that there was access possibility, those people not having access and still being poor and standing in line for food, for me, it was like, oh, wow, we can change the world. This is the perfect tool to change the world. So that's, uh, you know, you, and then you start to believe in it more and more, and you just start to uh, try to change the world a little bit, bit by bit, I say, always. <laughs> so if you did this in around, did you say it was December 16? And uh, we started to travel in, uh, let's say, I think uh, August 2016, so it would be the December 16, January 2017, yeah, yeah. when we start to go okay, sell everything. Okay, so Bitcoin. Between yeah, $800 Bitcoin and $1,200. Then. Yeah. yeah, we started oh, to invest around, about, between okay. $800 and $1,200. That was when we started. And some of the practicalities, I don't, I don't want to know how much Bitcoin you've got, but is it a case that you have always kept everything in Bitcoin and you only ever transfer out what you need as and when you need it? Uh, no, so we already travel now for four years without bank accounts and everything. So for us, it became a game. Mm -hmm. How can we surpass the traditional banking system and while living on cryptocurrencies? So the last three years, the last three years, we have been completely bankless and traveling all over the world with just cryptocurrencies. Um, not only Bitcoin, as of course, I also uh, uh, um, diversified in other cryptocurrencies. I trade every day and all that stuff. Um, but still, we are trying to pay uh, on a daily basis with Bitcoin. The house we are renting in Portugal, it's paid with Bitcoin. Okay, I'm going to have so many questions. Okay. Like, it, it was not easy at the beginning. It was terrible at the beginning. You, 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 but you find a way, okay. Every time you find a way, because if you believe in something, and you just invest time in educating other people and believing the same, then they will start to accept Bitcoin. I give you a small example. Mm. So, and if I talk too much, just tell, say, because I always talk too no, much. No, no, you people. tell me. Um, so we arrive here in Lagos, in Portugal. I search a house. I find the house on Airbnb. I contacted them. I sent them in private message. Tell them, guys, I want to rent your house for three months, but I want to pay in Bitcoin. First thing is, they laugh. What is Bitcoin? Why are you want to pay in Bitcoin? Then I send them an article about our family and their language. Then they get, like, curious. This house, they invited us, we did a barbecue, I told them, okay, this is Bitcoin. And at the end, I could pay the house in Bitcoin for three months. So the house was settled. Then I go to the beach, I walk to the beach bar, it's, it's called an extreme bar, really small bar. I drink my Bacardi Coke when the sunset is there. I tell the guy about Bitcoin, he gets curious, he says, okay, how can you help me? So I can help you by opening a wallet and I will pay my bill every day in Bitcoin and you will accumulate Bitcoins. This guy does this, I pay my Bacardi Coke and my drinks on the bar in Bitcoin. The fish restaurant the same. Sailing, I, I meet a guy on the beach that does sailing classes. I tell him I want to pay in Bitcoin and I will do sailing classes. You know, it's more easy nowadays than it was then days because now everybody is in this crisis and everybody wants to make money. And I tell them, okay, I will spend money. I will spend Bitcoins. And then you just convince them. And they like it because the guy that was, uh, I paid the, the sailing classes in Bitcoin. I've been paying the Bacardi Coke the last like month in Bitcoin. <laughs> they have only saw their wallet value going up so they start start to understand it so and that is how we did it all over the world we just ran the physical a base and then around that base we create bitcoin adoption and that's how we live so if you started in 
December 16th, January 17th, between $800 and $1,200, and you put everything into Bitcoin, and then over that year, Bitcoin went up to 20000 you must have been thinking, well, we've got a lot of runway here, right? We've got a lot of runway of time to, to do this, because that's one of the things. But then at the same time, we had a bear market that lasted nearly, th- well, over two years. Did you have any doubts during that bear market? Were you thinking, were you watching your kind of like net wealth in kind of dollar value shrinking and thinking, oh, I'm not sure how this is going to work out? Or were you confident all the way through? Yeah, to be honest, we have a different mindset. We didn't even need to have confidence that it was all going through. We have the confidence that we can live every month. We know what we need every month. Uh, we live day by day. We don't look in the future. I don't want to end up with savings of billions of dollars, you know, and then dying when I'm 60. I spend the money now. Our goal is accumulating happiness. So a lot of the profits we made in 2017, we gave away to charity. We are giving to charity every week. Uh, I think more than 45% at the moment of our profits is already given to charity or invested in projects. Last week, we gave Bitcoin, a little bit Bitcoins to kids in Venezuela. They bought shoes, they bought food, and I made videos about it. So I always make videos when we give. Uh, two days ago, we gave uh, orphanage in Serbia uh, Bitcoins. So we convinced them to accept Bitcoins. We are helping an orphanage in India. We, we, don't, we are not in this game anymore to become millionaire because we already experienced that that, that, make it, uh, that didn't make us happy. Uh, we live day by day. I want to enjoy it to the fullest every day because for, before you know it, you get sucked into a lockdown by your government, a really centralized lockdown. And you can't spend your money the way you thought you would spend it in the future. I'm not going to be the guy that uh, yeah. saved till 65, you know? All right, tell me what happened with the lockdown then and the coronavirus. Like, where, where in the world were you? Because I was traveling okay. around the time. I At the start of the year, I went out to South America and we just started to see... At the airports, people were wearing masks. Um, And then I went out to Turkey to make a film about a week before we went into lockdown. So I started, and then then I haven't traveled since. And I I used to travel a lot. So what was happening for you around that time? At that time, you were driving from Spain to Bulgaria because we were driving into Turkey. And at the moment, we were driving from Spain to Bulgaria. This, this trip, you know, we, we took a pause in uh, Switzerland and in Austria and in Slovenia. My wife and I were discussing and we were reading the news and something just felt off. We started a tour to drive around the world with a Bitcoin van. But just something was not right. We just felt it. And when we arrived in Bulgaria, Bulgaria was already doing a lockdown because of a flu. They didn't even know COVID, but it was a flu. And we just decided there, okay, let's park the car here. Let's fly to Thailand, to a beautiful island, because I have been working a lot again and I needed to have some family time together. So we flew to Thailand, to Koh Phangan, because we are building a digital co-working and co-living space already there for a couple of years. And we flew there. And when we arrived in Thailand, two days later, um, the lockdown appeared all over Europe. And we were like, what? So we were on, in Thailand for five months, January till May, on a beautiful tropical island that didn't experience like any lockdown. Of course, the two-week stores not opening completely in restaurants, but that was it. So we were living in a bubble. Uh, we didn't experience the whole COVID fear, and, and, and we just were living a beautiful island life in, in Thailand. And um, after that, in May, we flew home because one of the kids, they said, um, 
oh, we want to go to Europe to grandpa, grandma, to my brother and my sister. And, uh, and I was like, no, 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 you see what is going on? We are not going to fly to Europe. They are all afraid of a flu. And then my daughter said, but dad, you taught me to never live in fear. And if we don't live in fear, we will never fear a flu. So let's go to Europe and let's see what happens. Let's make a new adventure. And that's what we did. And then we arrived in, uh, in Europe in May. And then we were like really in shock. That is when we felt the fear of the people that we saw, wow, these people have stand in lines. In Holland, you had green and red and blue lines on the streets and squares and circles where people needed to wait. This was for us was like, what, what is going on? So we escaped Holland very quickly to Spain. We came in Spain. The people were living even more in fear. And we couldn't cope with that. We were, as a family, we always choose freedom above everything. I'm not going to wear a face mask because I don't believe that I will die of a flu. Yes, some people will die, but people will always die of flu. And people will always get born as well. So that is when we had a new plan. And at breakfast, I told my wife, okay, I'm going to buy a Jeep. Let's buy a Land Rover. Let's do a cool tour to Portugal because Portugal is really open-minded and not so closing down on everything. And that's, what, and that's where we are now. We just started. We, thought we took a, bit, a white Land Rover. We wrapped it now we're fully in Bitcoin. And we are traveling through Portugal. And um, yeah, we just go with the flow, Peter. So I, I am not affected by the flu because I always see it as a positive thing. It has shown the world that homeschooling is perfect. It has shown the world that centralized institutes are not always thinking good and that you should take power back to you when it comes to finance, house, everything. So for me, it's, the glass is always half full. Okay, man. All right. Convince me to do what you're doing because right now I'm watching this, I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, I want to do this. I kind of did something similar-ish before the lockdowns i used to travel a lot with the with the show i used to travel south america and america i uh, had a lot of freedom with that um but it was still kind of work but then i would come home for a few weeks you know with the kids but part of me thinking i just want to go a bit more nomadic now convince me convince me man i'm, I'm probably right convinced, <laughs> but convince me anyway <laughs> i don't need to convince you because you know you you are you are one of the big persons in this industry you have a very beautiful financial uh, uh mind said and you know that we cannot continue this world like the way we did this monetary system is going to break down no matter what in some kind of way and yes they will be able to save it with uh, creating uh, digital currencies all over the world the central banks euro and the central banks yuan and the dollar but at the end they need to agree that uh, bitcoin is becoming more popular as a store of value and will eventually also evolve to peer peer to peer to peer cash or maybe have a hard fork that will evolve to the peer to peer cash for me, is the important thing that I think that people need to realize is what is it in the people's mind that, that they think when they own a house that they really own that house? Nobody owns that house. The bank is owning your house. The moment you put money on your bank, the bank is owning your money. You are borrowing your money to the bank. So why would you use an institute that makes money of you and it also has the ability to claim all the money. Like happened, what happened in Greece, like what happened in Cyprus, like in 2009, 2013, they just froze the bank accounts mm -hmm. because they needed to save the economy. You worked really hard for that money and then they have the ability to freeze it. So I see this the same with the house. The house is a project. If you own it, you think you own it, but you're paying 30 years for it. But the moment that you can convince me that you're really the owner of this house, maybe then I will buy a house again. But 
And how far is the house really yours if the government still has the last vote to tell you you need to stay in this house, you're locked down. You cannot come in your house. Or when you do something illegal in your house, they can just lock the doors for a year. It's not your house. So why even bother to own something like this when we have this beautiful world of decentralized options that you don't need to own anything. Airbnb, you can own everything everywhere in the world when you want for a certain period of time. If you get sick of it, you go to the next step. Mm-hmm. It's the, like oh, the, the, <laughs> the whole lending industry, the whole sharing economy, this is the future. Decentralized lifestyle is the future. We were nomadic people all our lives. We just went to live in cities because there was created a mass industry around centralizing businesses in cities and attract people to the cities so they had jobs. Jobs are now massively being disconnected from cities again. You can do jobs from everywhere. The flu has shown us now that we are more productive than ever by home work, by working at home. So we are slowly evolving back again, just like a cycle, just like every stock has a cycle, every product has a cycle. We were nomadic, we became fixed to a city, and we are becoming nomadic again. And afterwards, we will probably evolve again to people fixed in cities. You know, it's, it's a trend. And why swim against a stream when you just go with the stream? It's all possible nowadays. It's not difficult anymore to live a digital nomad lifestyle because you can, you know, I can turn the screen. You can see the sea view, my pool, my jacuzzi. This house is costing less than any house I had all over the world uh, in mortgage. All right. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you about the kids. T- tell me some of it you might say is uh, none of my business, but I just because I've got kids as well. Uh, how old are the ki- uh, the kids? Is is it two girls and a boy? I can't remember. Three girls, 15, 13 and 10 years old. You've got three girls. Bless you, man. Yeah, I'm blessed. Nah. <laughs> Jesus, man. I've got you one. Know, it's pain. Yeah. I love her, but it's it's tough, man. <laughs> it is. You know, okay, I think I think the, okay. the person, the one up, up there, didn't understand me. I always wished for a harem, but I, I meant another harem. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you got three girls, and yeah. okay. So my first two questions are: What are the good things for the girls in going through this? But also, are there any negatives of this experience in terms of maybe not being settled and having, say, consistent social group groups of friends? Yeah, of course, there are negative and positive things. Um, you know, the positive part is that they that they learn by the parents doing it, by leading by example. So, like, for example, you can tell your kid the story about an elephant every time again and then again and again, and an elephant looks like this, and an elephant smells like this. Your kids won't really believe it till they really smell this elephant, till they really touch this elephant, they really feed or wash an elephant. So... That's the same with life. You can tell them how to live life, but if you as a parent live a complete different life, they will not follow. You can tell them it's bad to have a telephone every time, every day, six hours a day playing games, but as you as a father are only on a telephone, <laughs> what kind of example are you giving to the kids? So they, they will just follow your example. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the most positive part is that we led by example to show our kids you can take a turn in your life to the left or to the right. It doesn't matter. It always... Um, if you feel it's good, it will be good and it will end up good. So we, we learn them, we teach them to not live in fear. Not choose your life or your things because of fear, but choose everything because of passion, because you want something, because it makes you happy. 
And if you have two options, you can choose one because it makes you happy, or you choose that one because the other one makes you afraid. You know, choose the one that makes you happy. So that is the positive part. Um, of course, the, they see the world. Um, it's it's we educate them, homeschool them with an online school help. It's there are too many positive things to just talk about now because I think it's that's it's clear. Um, so so let's talk about the negative parts because people mostly ask me what is the negative part. The negative part should be that the social contacts are less than when they go to a normal school or when they live in an area where they build friendships. But I experience this difference because I travel and I visit families that live the normal life and those kids are also just sitting inside. They don't go outside to court to play football. They don't meet friends anymore outside. They just sit inside with their telephone or their iPad. They play games. But they live a virtual life while they could live a normal life. And my kids, we don't live a normal life, but they live this virtual life as well online, you know, with all the people all over the world they meet. Plus, they meet people outside because we focus on, you know, being outside. So, I think that would be the only negative part, you know, that it should be less social for them. But I experience difference, you know. Every time when we go back to Holland to visit our old friends and family, I experience that the kids there don't go outside, Peter. They are inside. They are playing games. They are doing nothing. They live in virtual worlds. That's the future. So why then stay at home and just travel and let them stay in there? <laughs> Next up, I talked to Didi more about living a Bitcoin nomad life. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, we're going to kick off with Casa, the absolute very fucking best in Bitcoin security. Have you got your Bitcoin security shit sorted? Listen, about seven months ago, I knew I knew I had to get mine done. I've got this little Jameson Lop who sits on my shoulder. Like every time I'm doing something wrong, he's like nagging me going, Pete, get your shit together. And a few months back, I was like, I know I needed to get this sorted. I was just using a hardware wallet with like a password written down, hidden somewhere. Really crap practice. So I reached out to Carl. So I was like, come on, help me do this. So I got signed up. And honestly, it's been an absolute game changer for me. I am now protected from my own stupid mistakes, hackers, in-person attacks, device failure, and so much more. And you all, with this Bitcoin run, need to get your security sorted. And for every Bitcoiner, they have a product. They have Casa Gold, which is triple the security of a hardware wallet, and that is only $10 a month. They've got Casa Platinum, they're three or five multi-sig, the best protection for large Bitcoin holders. They've also got Casa Diamond, which is their full service offering, that has a customized personal security review, inheritance planning, and of course, the best-in-class security. There is no better time to get your Bitcoin security sorted. Find out more at keys.casa, which is K-A-Y-S, C-A-S-A. Next up, we have my friend Sportsbet.io out in Estonia, the best place for online gaming because they accept Bitcoin and we love anyone who accepts Bitcoin, right? Okay, not only that, they love football and I love football, which means I love them because not only do they love football, they've put the Bitcoin logo on the front of the Southampton shirt. They're also the betting partner of Arsenal. So if you're watching Premier League football and you're seeing Bitcoin logos, You've got sportsbet.io to thank. Now, if you are interested, they have a market for every sport you could possibly think of. They've got football, tennis, American sports, motorsports. They have even got esports. Everything you could possibly want is there. And for new customers, they always have a range of promotions available. Just head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions. That is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. 
And lastly today, but not least, is my new sponsor, the Exodus Wallet, who I will be using as my mobile and desktop wallet for my Bitcoin. And I've been looking for a wallet to use. You know I've signed up with Casa, my deep cold storage, but I can't access that Bitcoin easily. Now I'm running large parts of my business using Bitcoin. I need a wallet here that I can use for day to day for receiving and paying people because I want to do more of this. And when Exodus reached out to me, I took a look and they crushed the UX. And always UX is important for me. I also have a dialect straight in with the CEO, the main guy. So any issues I have, any ideas I have, I can reach out to him and talk to him about this, which is super cool. Now, listen, if you want to check it out yourself, it's available at exodus.io, which is E-X-O-D-U-S.io. Also, just search Exodus in the Apple or Google app stores. See, when I was traveling with work, you know, if I was in South America or Asia, yeah, I would some points be stuck in the hotel doing an interview or prepping for an interview or getting a show live. But then I'd be out and I'd be seeing the city I'm in, whether it was uh, Bogota or Santiago or whether when I was in Hong Kong or Estonia. But it was it's an entirely different life. And it's a really weird thing. right? I, I, I happily share this on here. Um, I went through a really rough time a few years ago, right, when my family broke up. I used to suffer really badly with anxiety and depression and um, it was just it was just really shit time and I kind of somehow manifested this life to travel with the show I kind of I made myself travel I didn't have to I made myself and what used to happen is whenever I had a, a flight out of London which would be every three weeks you know sorry every six weeks out every three weeks back so that morning I would feel great I'd, my suitcase was packed I would drive all the, all the way to the airport. I'd be like, I'd be such in such a good move, mood. Wherever I was catching a flight to, whether it was, you know, I, I remember catching a flight out to say uh, uh, Argentina because I was heading to Uruguay. I'd just be in such a happy place, and all that would happen is while I was away, I'd just end up missing my kids. So I'd get back, I'd, I'd, like the trip would get towards the end, and I'd be sad. I'd get back towards my kids, but once I got back, it was like I was tired. I had to put the bins out, I had to make dinner, I had to get the sort of the garden out, and then I'd want to get away again. So I, I kind of lived half of what you're doing, but I haven't had it with the kids. It was the kids that I always brought it back. But I would never have that anxiety or depression or bullshit when I was away. It just never happened. It's, it's, and that is exactly, I think, the key. Um, people won't do it with the kids because they are, or are afraid that when... The kids don't go to school; they won't succeed because that is the mindset we still, you know, it was it was just, you know, thrown into us while we grew up. You need to have education, you need to have a certificate, yeah. and all that shit. While all the people I have met all over the world, Peter, the most successful people didn't have any certificate; they just lived life and they I followed their passions. I have I have yeah. one, but you know, I know don't use it. So why would I put my kids in that? And kids do the same. If you get stuck in a place, they start to run the hamster wheel and they start to repeat every day again. Breakfast, school, come home, go to sports, uh, watch Netflix, go to bed. They get stuck. They don't want to experience new things because the world is always the same. The moment you take your kids to uh, Bangkok or to Jakarta or to uh, whatever city in the world, they get energy because they are like, wow, this is beautiful. Oh, I want to go there, and I want to go there. And that's when they live to their fullest again. Is there any kind of structured education you're giving the children? Do you sit them down and teach them math or English, or are you just giving them a life education whereby you just take them to places and see things? 
the first two years, we didn't have any structure. We just let it completely free that we called non-schooling. And, and um, it was really beautiful to see because my youngest kid has never been going to school. And she can read, she can write, she taught herself uh, with her sisters and everything. And then after two years, the oldest one became uh, 14 and she had questions that I couldn't answer. So we found this online school, really cool one. It's called Galileo. And they are backed up by a private institute in the United States. So you can get a certificate if you want. And they Zoom call every day for 30 minutes. And every, 30, every day, 30 minutes, they check in in a Zoom call with kids all over the world in the same time zone. You have many classes. And they talk about what they want to learn. My, my daughter wants to learn about uh, the planets and why is it so special that uh, Saturn is uh, connecting now with whatever. <laughs> and then the teacher takes them by the hand every day again. And the, the Zoom call, they tell, okay, what did you do today? Did you do mathematics? What do you want to learn? Uh, maybe you can use this tool, or maybe you can use this app. And that is how they have a certain structure and every morning getting up and do a little bit schooling classically online. And then the rest of the day, they just, you know, they just live. And then yeah, you learn so much. And they want to learn now because it's no, it's no pressure. There's no pressure. There's nothing. And then you get these strange questions. And then you tell them, okay, let's, let's together look at this question. I don't know why these planets are meeting once in the 800 years, so let's Google it. Let's watch a documentary. You know? Do you want to know more about the law of attraction? Okay, we will watch The Secret first start. Then, do you want to learn more about manifesting? Because you hear it about this. Okay, let's search a YouTube channel and huh, educate ourselves on manifesting. And then they try it. And then they have also time to try it because you have a travel life. You don't put pressure on them. You don't need to go to school all day, homework and all that stuff. So they have time to look inside, find their passion, and try to manifest, manifest what they want. You know, tell me, how does a kid, how would a kid be able to manifest if his whole day is structured in school, sports, you know, you know how normal life works. Kids don't have time anymore. So how can you teach them then to, you know, focus on really what they want, not what they need to do, but what they want. And that, I think that's very important. Uh, you know what, it's funny. It's really, I'll tell you what, another reason it's tempting is that schooling's worked out very differently for both my children. Like my daughter loves it very focused she comes home from school yeah she does her homework wants to be in school my son's very different he's a really creative soul like beautiful drawer uh loves film loves acting um but he's the the structure of a school is really kind of suffocating for him it's it's he doesn't like the structure he doesn't like the rules he doesn't like the you know, to-do lists of what he has to do for certain things. He's just uh, a creative child, and I just feel like school just doesn't work for him. And I think he needs that kind of freedom, that kind of uh, way way to go and express himself with, with no rules, because I think that's where his the beauty of what he can create comes out of it. Because, he, like I say, he, he doesn't ever want to do his homework. I'm always like, have you done your homework? No. But every now and again, he'll do something like, I don't know, like a mirror. We were about to throw a mirror out, right? Um, when we did up our house, we just have this old mirror. He just takes it in the garden, he gets a spray can, he sprays it black, and he starts to etch uh, a design into the mirror. And it's beautiful. And it, that just came out of nowhere for him. And I feel like he needs that freedom for that kind of environment. He's never going to sit in a cubicle and process data and have a job. It's not going to work for him. It's not the life for him. But I think we've got this schooling structure at the moment that is really designed for one thing. It's to teach kids to memorize facts, yet we give them a supercomputer that they keep in their pocket. 
because we have to have them hit certain targets. And they do, don't, don't get me wrong, they do have some creative freedom. He does art at school, he does drama. But generally speaking, it's like you need these grades, therefore you need to do these tests. But actually, it's a complete waste. Like, I, I feel like his entire education has been a waste. My daughter's different. Like, it suits her. She is focused and structured. But we seem to have a schooling system set up. Like, the, the government-run schooling system appears to be set up for one type of kid. Kind of. Exactly. I know other people go, no, it isn't. But like, generally speaking, whereby if you want this kind of more kind of creative education, you have to go and seek out more creative schools. They tend to be independent and private, looked on sometimes as a bit weird. You know, some people will think what you're doing is weird. Yeah, I bet on every measure, you as a family are all infinitely happier than dad who's leaving for seven in the morning for work, coming back at seven at night, tired. Kids who are sat there on their iPhones, everyone in front of the TV. You know what it is? It is, um, I always say, you know, we, we want to prepare my kids. We want to prepare our kids for the future. I don't want to prepare kids for the past. And that is what the schools are doing. They are only preparing kids for the past because they teach them by memorizing the past. This is not education. Kids grow up. And you need to prepare them for what is to come. The world is going decentralized. Blockchain and crypto, Bitcoin are changing the whole monetary system. Why are you still educating them to, send, to do centralized jobs? These jobs won't be available in five to ten years' time. Your kids need other abilities to do jobs in this new world that we are building as a community. We are changing this world. And so why support these schools that are not you know, embracing this new world? They are still in... You know, they are still memorizing the Second World War. Why put that negativity in my child's brain? And even then, I understand that some kids need it, but then let it free. Then give the people, the parents, the freedom to have some kids go to school and some kids focus on their passion. Because we also need people with passion. We also need people with handicraft. We don't need only people that have brains be a doctor, you know? And who says that we even need doctors in the future? In Holland, you want to, they all want to become a doctor. Yeah, that's really nice. AI and Elon Musk together, they will create something that will do all the operations in the future with bots. <laughs> we don't need those doctors anymore. You know, we are living in a digital time. We are changing so fast. What the internet did for us, for you and me, Peter, you know, we didn't have an iPhone. We didn't watch videos. Mm -hmm. we, went, we watched Back to Future. We thought that it would never be possible to, to be on a skateboard and flying. <laughs> The internet changed everything oh, for man. us. And now blockchain is going to change everything for this generation. Completely. Everything. It's going to be the biggest yeah, social economic these, uh, shift we will ever see. I had this conversation with my kids last night. Okay, I told them two things. I was like, doing that typical dad thing. In my day. <laughs> but like I was explaining to them um, that Christmas, when I was a kid at Christmas, we didn't have Netflix. We didn't have on-demand TV. There was four TV channels. And what used to happen at Christmas, you'd always get something called the Radio Times, which was like the TV guide, even though it's called the Radio Times, the TV guide coming up for Christmas. And you would look every day and you'd see what films are on. And it's like you see all the new releases. It's like, right, Christmas Eve, they're showing the latest Bond, or Boxing Day, they're showing Indiana Jones. And you would all sit down and watch those films because it was a treat. Whereas my kids don't give a shit because if they, they're like – they want to watch a film, they can just go and, and, and play £3 and have it immediately. I also explained to this concept, and I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before, when you used to go and meet somebody, you had to be on time. If you said, oh, I'll meet you in, um, you know, I'll meet you at the, in town at such and such a shop. If you weren't on time, they had no way of getting hold of you. 
But now you can be late because you can just text them and say, I'm going to be 15 minutes late or I'll be 20 minutes late. And, and you, you know, and you can say, all right, great. I'll go and grab a coffee. Meet me here. You couldn't do that before. You had to oh. be on time. It's just all, it's all changed so much. Yeah, and it's going to change more and more. You know, I met people. They make mm. a living out of creating virtual goods, so NFTs. These guys design jackets and shoes and tables. These guys make more than a doctor in the Netherlands. And why? Because they are prepared to use their skills for the future. And I think that is important, you know, and, and, and that is what we should do with our kids as well. You know, it's, it's, the world is changing so fast. There will be tons of new opportunities that you can combine digital nomad lifestyle like us with a laptop and create virtual shirts. You know, we all know that the world slowly, and we don't like it, or at least, sorry, I don't like it, and that the world is going this kind of virtual, that my kids live in these virtual worlds completely, you know? They meet kids all over there, and they do their games. It's all virtual. But in this, on the, you can also see the shift, you know? You can see, when we were young, we needed to have the newest Nikes, because then you belonged to a group. You need to have the new uh, mm-hmm. track suit, because you belong to a group. Now, the kids don't care about these Nikes anymore. They care about their online presence. They care about the Nikes that their avatar is wearing. You know, we are seeing a shift of people that are spending more money on their avatar than on their physical appearance. So, you know, there is so much stuff, I think, going to change because of the, the blockchain and the Bitcoin and, and that we can't even predict at the moment how big this change will be. We can only do our best to prepare our kids to, you know, um, have a happy life with this change. Shit, man, I want to do this. I've got a lot to think about. I want to do this. Okay. 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 So if I want to do this, talk me through, talk me through how I do it. Like, what are the things I have to think about? Like, if I said, right, I'm doing this. Fuck it. Yeah. School isn't working for my son. I'm going to take him out, and we're just going to go and live uh, this lifestyle. What do I need to prepare? What are the things I need to do? Uh, that's a very difficult question. It depends on every country, because in the Netherlands, it's illegal what we do. You know, we, we, a kid needs to go to school. We, in the Netherlands, you don't have the option of privacy schooling, private schooling. So in the Netherlands, you can only, you're, you're not allowed to take kids out of school and you can only choose for the government schools. Private schools do not exist. So if, I don't know how the rules are in the UK or the US, wherever in the world. You know, everybody, every country has its own rules. So the only solution be not, to not be depressed by these rules is just to disconnect from the system. And disconnecting from the system is that you sell literally everything you own. You live a decentralized lifestyle with Bitcoins or maybe a little bit fiat if you don't trust Bitcoin all the way and you just start to live life without owning stuff, without you know having laws that tell you you need to put your kid into school because if you don't live in the UK and in London, there is no rule that tells you anymore, okay, the kids need to be in school in London because you're traveling, you know? Um, and and that's, that's the first step, but it's, it's fear. Peter, it's always fear. It's like, Compare it with bungee jump. I know that you tomorrow you're going to bungee jump. So today you already like feel exciting and a little bit fear. Oh, what's going to happen? And then the day after you go to the bungee jump location, you need to climb the ladder and like you shit your pants three times because you're, you're doing something completely new and you need to depend on this cord, on something that you never depend on before that you could trust. And then you're on the highest platform. You need to jump. You're still afraid. You shit your pants again. Because it's just a thin cord. You have never experienced it. You don't know if this is going to save your life or not. And this guy pushes you, you jump, and you experience freedom. You have this, 
wow, this is amazing. I want to do it again and then again and again. That is the same with changing life. It is so scary. It is so unknown because you don't know what is going to happen if you don't own a house, if you don't own a car. Even if you know you can rent houses all over the world, even if you know you can rent cars all over the world, even if you know you can, you know, you're still afraid for this thing because you never experienced it before. The moment you jump, you will never change back again. You know, we had our doubts at the beginning as well, but we will never change back again. Never, because it's not necessary anymore. It's not necessary to own all that stuff. It's necessary you have a roof above your head. You have food. All right. So, okay. Let's let's talk about the practical steps. Forget about the what the government yeah. thinks. I can imagine if I did this, I wouldn't sell my house straight away. I would need to leave my base here first while I try it. That'd probably be the first thing. I would yeah. leave that. But the practical so you- steps in terms of, I'm gonna say if I I'm gonna go and try this for six months, yeah. and I'm gonna live on Bitcoin, and I'm gonna travel like a nomad. What are the things I need to like think about, be prepared for? Nothing. Nothing. It's, it's become so easy. You know, I, I think you said it right over there. You, you, you try it first. You, you keep your house, lease it or rent it out for these six months and, and just try it. And if you don't enjoy this life, you can always turn back uh, to your house, you know, whatever you want. So, so you can always try it. We, we, we started like this. Well, let's do it for three months. Let's travel the world for three months. Three months became seven, became one year, became four years now. Um, the practical step is compare it to your holiday. What kind of practical step do you take when you go for a two-week holiday on Ibiza? Oh, man. Nothing. You book a ticket, Dude, you fly to Ibiza, lot- and you stay there. I will, give you a, I will give you the best advice I want to give you if you want to try it, Peter. Decide to do it, fly to Portugal. We spent two beautiful weeks here in Portugal together as families, uh, and you will experience it uh, while we were having fun, maybe create cool content about Bitcoin for the industry, and you can see how not difficult it is. It is, people always think too much. You know, people are like, when you are in the UK, you feel safe to buy a train ticket. Okay, I'm going to buy a train ticket uh, from London to Glasgow because I know how it works. And then people think, when they fly to Bangkok, that they can't do the same there, that they can't buy a train ticket and go to the next town. You know, it's not that difficult. It's, we have apps. Yeah, do you know that what? I, 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 just, I, I just stay in this app, uh, book a car, and the car is here in three minutes. It's called Uber. <laughs> you know, it's nothing. <laughs> Listen, is, man, it's all I'll tell you possible. what, last summer, we went out to Cambodia and Vietnam, right? Three weeks, me and the kids. Because I'd worked so much, I was wow. like, we're going to go and have a big holiday. And our plan was, we went to, um, oh, what's the place where the temples are in Cambodia? Um, Angkor Wat. Why can I not remember? Yeah, Angkor Wat. The Angkor Wat. We Angkor Wat. And we were going to go to, yeah, amazing. And we were going to go after that to Phnom Penh. Um, but we didn't have anything booked after Angkor Wat. We just booked our flights out to uh, Cambodia uh, via Thailand. And that's the only thing we had booked. And I met a guy in Angkor Wat, and he said, don't go to Phnom Penh. It's, it's like it's a dump. He said, look, you might find the killing fields interesting. It's a bit depressing for your kids. It's, it's just not a nice place. He's like, just go and do the coast of Vietnam. So we're like, all right. So we did that, and we booked. And we just made it up as we went for three weeks. We had the best time, like just the best time. Sometimes we'll stop somewhere and stay for three days. Sometimes we spend a day and went, let's move on. And 
the journey home, we nearly, the funny thing is, we actually nearly missed our flight home. And at the time, I was like, I wish we had. <laughs> I wish we had and just didn't go back. And we came back and everything just went back to normal. But honestly, that three weeks is still the, the, my favorite three weeks of my life. We just had a great time. I could still work because I had my microphones with me. I had my laptop. I could still make my podcast. I could still earn money. But we just were living this total free life. Oh, God, I'm... Oh, but that's exactly... Man. But that's You know what's going exactly, through my head. That is exactly how it feels if you just continue it. It will stay like that. It's not difficult. I will be completely honest. We live of, uh, of mon- a monthly cost of maximum 3,000 euros a month. That's, that's our limit. We don't spend more. And we travel all the world. We live in the most beautiful... If I show you this house, we have a four-bedroom house with four bathrooms, a pool, a jacuzzi, on the sea. And we still don't spend more than 3,000 euros a month as a family of five. And we travel the world all over the world like this. So it, 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 the, the, what you experienced those couple of weeks, we were there as well. We visited uh, Angkor Wat, Cambodia, Vietnam. And sometimes your kids will say, ah, oh, we are traveling too much. And then we say as parents, okay, we rent a house for three months in Portugal with a jacuzzi, where we will celebrate Christmas. So you, we, you know, we tone it down. We travel, we slow travel a little bit. And then we stay here three months. And after three months, the kids will be like, ah, oh, okay, now we need a little bit more adventure. Okay, we will drive the car through the, through the hills, to south of France, to Switzerland. They will make some cool stops and we camp and whatever. And then again, they will, will and, and that's how we mix. And we, I need to be honest, in the bearish time, when Bitcoin went down in 2018, we almost solely lived on campsites because we didn't want to spend bitcoins. So it became expensive for us. So we just, you know, get a little bit more minimalistic, but people see this as negative. Oh, you, then you live on a campsite, minimalistic. And I, and at the family, I just gave them the mindset, let's see it as positive. It will be a real cool adventure to live on a campsite, to go hiking, to do all that stuff outside, to be cold in a camper. It's an adventure. It's not bad. It is good. Let's try it. And that's how we survived the whole bearish time. Just stay in cheap places. But it was, it oh, was, it was you know one of like? the most beautiful times. It's like if you go on your, like, I shouldn't have uh, Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I know it's bad. But if you go on your Instagram, like, whenever I flick through it, I'm always smiling when I see my holiday photos, right? Our time in Cambodia and Vietnam. <laughs> All the time when we went to, uh, yeah. when we spent time in Thailand, we went to, out to, um, uh, uh, pie. Do you know pie in Thailand? Yeah, yeah, I love pie in the north. It's beautiful, relaxed city. Oh, yeah, love pie. Yeah, we we drove up to pie, um, and then drove up to the Burma border with what's, what's it? It's Me Saoyang, Me Hong Song. We did, and we just had such a great Me time. Hong Song, but when Me I look through yeah. my photos, yeah, yeah, and I'm looking through the photos, and that's where I'm like, ah, oh, we had such a good time. I'm thinking. What you're doing is you're doing that permanently. <laughs> you're like literally living that Instagram life permanently. Yeah, you know, but we have also lived the other life. And we really got yeah. sick of that other life. And I think we are going through a spiritual, but also like physical, through a huge shift at the moment. I think the world is changing very fast. And I think people are waking up also very fast. So I think we will experience more and more people. Um, starting to live this life because they now all have experience that by accumulating all the wealth they have, they can still be locked up in their wealth. And then when they are locked up in their houses, 
they start to complain about their freedom. Why can't we go out the house? You worked your whole damn life to buy this big house and all these cars. Now they force you to stay in your house and you're not, you're not happy. If this doesn't wake you up, that that was the wrong goal in life, to buy that huge house because now you're forced to be in it and you're still not happy, then I don't know anymore what needs to wake up the people. So that's, for me, this is a huge shift. And the people, I think, will all experience the same. They were like, and it's here the same, Peter. If now Portugal would say you get a lockdown, you need to wear a face mask. Perfect. I'd end the term of this house. I fly to Mexico. I continue my life there. That is the power of freedom. That is that decentralized Bitcoin nomad life. You live where you want to live, when you want to live, how you want to live. Just the same with Bitcoin. You spend Bitcoin to <laughs> how much you want, how you want, to who you want. What, what about security and safety? Because that's one issue. Like you're the Bitcoin family. People know where yeah. you are. Perhaps they see you as a target. Is there anything with that you have to think about? No, never. No, no. You know what it is? Like 70% of my hardware wallets, we don't have them on us. I trust Bitcoin so much. We have them hidden in, in safest safes all over the, uh, the world. And um, I don't even have that on me. If they want to take me, they can take the 30%. And if they are happy by, you know, uh, having the 30%, you know, <laughs> then take it. But we just decided as a family, we'll never live in fear. I want to support this revolution to the fullest. So I can do one thing, or I can do the same as all these other Bitcoin billionaires that hide and it don't go out, and it don't reach mass media, or if I want to support it, I need to be in the mass media, and I need to embrace the Bitcoin family brand to the fullest so I can reach everybody out there to educate them on this huge shift we are going through and these tools that are now changing the world for all those people that were not connecting to the banking system. And we as a family chose for the second one. We tried to do the first one. We went to Thailand. We went on a small island. This Russian guy came to me. Are you this guy from the Bitcoin family? He said, yes. He made a selfie. And two days later, a big television program show comes and makes a documentary. So we just said as a family, we cannot deny it anymore. We cannot fight it. Let's go with the flow. Let's just not live in fear. You know, we share a lot of our wealth every time. Again, we are not billionaires or huge millionaires. We give away. The giving makes us even more happy and makes life even more adventurous. Check my videos. In, in, in Thailand, we left. We gave away 6,000 meals to Burmese people. We bought them sewing machines to convert old rice bags into wallets and bags so they can make money during this COVID world. That is an adventure, makes us happy, and we lose Bitcoins because of it. We don't care. If you truly believe in Bitcoin, truly believe in Bitcoin, let's, let's take it like this. If you truly believe in Bitcoin, going to 50K, 100K, 200K, because the whole institutional world will treat it as a new digital gold, the gold of the 21st century. If we would believe this, that would make it very easy for you to understand if you only keep one Bitcoin left in the next three, four years, you would only always again be able to change back to the life you were living because then that one Bitcoin in three years' time would be 200K or 300K. But then at least you lived three years of your life, a complete cool life of those other four Bitcoins. Let's say it like this. I don't, snap, I don't understand why mm. the people just don't get it. Let's say you have five Bitcoins. That's 100K at the moment. You use four Bitcoins. It's 80K to live the next two, uh, two years because 3K is 36K a year and 72K for two years living of Bitcoin. So you spend four, four of your Bitcoins and you keep one Bitcoin left because you believe in Bitcoin. You know that Bitcoin will go to 50, 100K. 
you end up with 100k again after four years. <laughs> I just, we just truly believe in it. And, yeah, uh, and that, that made the life possible for us. Can you tell me of any specific experiences you've had on this journey that have really stood out and you're like, I know we're doing the right thing, like anything at all? It's every time, again, every time that I see my kids on the beach, that I see, you know, them enjoying this life, us being happy, them evolving to a flourishing to a beautiful flower as a kid, makes me happy. I have seen the kids in the Netherlands that come home from school are not happy or depressive. 13.6% of the children below 13 years old in the Netherlands have a burnout. This is the most beautiful thing of, of everything that I see every day. And, and if you ask me, okay, what is the most beautiful thing is that we, when I walk with my kids, Jolie joins me on my YouTube videos every day. I make a daily YouTube video because it's my passion. Plus, I want to show Julie, you can make money out of just doing what you like. And they were like, you're too old. You're 42 years old. You cannot be a YouTuber. We had 1,000 followers, subscribers. The same age as me. Yeah, 78. So I told my kids, okay, you don't think I can do it? And I started in Thailand because I was bored during the lockdown. I started to walk the beach and every day make a video. And we grew now to 15,000 subscribers. We monetize the channel. We make money. And, I know, and now I show my kids, look, it took only six months of my life to create a YouTube channel that makes money now. You can do the same. Never think it is not possible. Always think it is possible. And these things that I love of this life with the kids. And now we are sharing all the YouTube profits with charity. All the profits we make with YouTube, we give away to charities, or we do donations and all stuff. And that makes the kids again happy. So we lead by example there. So, yeah, sorry. I, I always talk so much and mm, I forget then again the question. Good. No, <laughs> so, no, but it doesn't matter. It's, this is good. I mean, it's such good stuff. Uh, it's really poignant right now. Like, I'm going to try and get out to Portugal so we can hang out because I'm not going to share why it's poignant right now, but there's some stuff going on which, like, it just makes me think... Certainly with my children. It's just this what you're saying makes so much sense compared to what we're going through right now. This lockdown has been very, very oppressive on us. It's been had a real impact on the children. They're not living a life right now. You know, they're just they're not barely you know, we leave, we'll go for a walk or something, but they're not really living a life outside of these four walls. Um and for what? I, I will be what? completely everything, everything points yeah. towards shit. Yeah, but I will be completely honest, you know, it's a... I am very positive always. And of course, as a traveling family, you also have mm. negative ties. Also, my kids are pubers. Also, they want to stay outside sometimes when the sun is shining. But you know, if you have the ability to live life all year around on beaches, then you get sick of the beaches as well. And then the kids want to live inside. So it's, it's, it's a very, uh, you just learn to play with it. It's, it's, we, you, 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 you stay a family with ups and downs, but it makes it more easy if you have the opportunity to experience new things because then you have less downs and it becomes less and less and less. And your kids, they, they need to change life as well. If you change it, it will take some time for them to get used to this lifestyle and to understand eh, the, the new way of living. But as soon as they find their passion, you know, let's say your kid wants to learn surfing, you know, you surf in Portugal, you go to wherever in the world and he can always do his passion. So he will always be happy with his passion. And, and then, of course, there will be some downs that he will be like, oh, I wish we never left the UK. Yeah? My kids say that also. I wish I never left the Netherlands. And then I 
just talk with them and I tell them, tell them why. And, you know, and then at the end, they're like, yeah, you're right. If you want to go there, we go back for a couple of weeks, but we don't want to get stuck. <laughs> it's, uh, it takes time. It all takes time. Oh, man. Well, listen, look, this has been amazing. Everything I wanted to hear makes it's making me think a lot and consider a lot, which is a good thing. Okay, we're going to have to follow up because I need to go and think about some things, but I definitely don't want to be stuck in these four walls for another six months to a year during this COVID bullshit. Um, I, I want to do something else. All right, man. Well, listen, look, if people want to follow your story, where can they follow it? Um, yeah, we have everything like the Bitcoin family. So it's on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bitcoin family. Our website is thebitcoinfamily.com. On Twitter, it's my name, Didi Taihutu. Um, so all decentralized social medias that we have, it's all the Bitcoin family. So it's, yeah, it's the most easy thing to find. Um, if you go to the website, thebitcoinfamily.com, we have all the links to all the social medias, to everything over there. Uh, I make daily videos on YouTube about Bitcoin, blockchain, and life. So it's not just charting, it's more about the blockchain and decentralization of the world and, and how we live. We have a weekly episode together with Gokstein Media on Fridays that shows only our life every week again, how we live uh, life this week. And, you know, just like a real life soap, but then also how we spend Bitcoin and how we educate people over here. So that's every Friday. We have a lot of things going on. I, I'm supporting a lot of projects uh, at the moment, blockchain projects, but I'm not going to chill them in your show, but it's, uh, yeah, if, if they start to follow us, they will see yeah, that we are living the crypto here, life 24-7. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to live the Bitcoin life 24-7. All right, man. Listen, Didi, I'm glad we're now linked up. I'm glad we're now friends. I I'm, I'm hope we'll get to hang out soon and discuss this further. It's been everything I wanted and hoped talking to you. Um, big love to your family. Have a great Christmas. And let's stay in touch, man. Let's stay in touch. Thank you very much to be uh, to invite me on your show. It's an honor to be there, guy. And uh, yeah, I hope we will see each other soon, man. I'm looking forward to do a Christmas barbecue or after Christmas barbecue here in the sun. <laughs> I'd love it, man. <laughs> Take care. Cool. Bye. All right. What do you think of that? What do you think about that Bitcoin nomad life? It's pretty cool, right? Well, you know, might not be for everyone. I would absolutely love to do it. Honestly, I've, I keep thinking about it ever since the interview with Didi. I keep thinking about how do I do this? Can I do this? When can I do this? The conviction that he had is quite unbelievable to be honest i mean you know at the time bitcoin seemed expensive and you know he was proved right whether that's lucky or shrewd he was proved right and he's managed to live this amazing lifestyle with his family they've managed to learn how to ride out a bear market and still continue on with their journey look i love it i think it's amazing one of my favorite interviews ever i want to do it myself hopefully i can one day and listen if you've got any questions about the show you want to reach out to me you know i respond to everyone it's hello at what bitcoin did.com also if you want to support the show I keep asking. Just go onto iTunes, leave me a review. Five star if you think I deserve it. One star if you think the show's shit. Hopefully you think it's five star, but they do really help with the rankings. Outside of that, go and check out Defiance. We've got a great show on there called Locked Out. It's all about people being released from jail and trying to find jobs and the difficulty they face with a criminal record. Really great job by Tom there. So go and check that out. That's it, defiance.news. Anyway, have a great week and I'll see you all on Friday. <laughs>